Hello and welcome into another episode of Locked on Wolves. Today on the show, let's talk about reasonable expectations for this year's Timberwolves team. Based on the FanDuel win total line, what what can we expect? Is it fair to say we should expect to bet the over on this team this year? We'll break that all down. Plus, a roster update, uh, where the roster stands as we head into training camp later this week. And then also the Timberwolves unveiled their classic jerseys for this year. We'll talk about that at the end of the show here today. It's all upcoming. Welcome in. You are Locked on Wolves. You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. Happy Monday, everybody. Hopefully you had a fantastic weekend. A big thank you, first of all, for making Locked On Wolves your first listen every single day. Of course, you can watch the show on YouTube. You can also listen wherever you like to listen to podcasts. And uh, you can also watch on the Locked On Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. Um, this show, as long as all the other Minnesota lockdown podcasts, of course, great time of year. It falls basically it's like March and then like the October, November timeframe are the best times for sports. Uh, tons of basketball, of course, football season is now well underway. Playoff baseball upcoming hockey's about to start. If you're a fan of Minnesota sports in general, check out the lockdown sports, Minnesota app on Roku and Amazon fire TV. Of course, you can also follow this show on Twitter at lockdown T wolves and also at B beacon with two B's, two E's CK. Ian. All right, a couple things I want to get to later. We'll talk about the roster, something I want to clean up from Friday's show. Uh, an Exhibit 10 signee I completely forgot um, was going to be on the roster in training camp. So we'll, we'll kind of update where that roster is going to be and uh, also talk about the jersey unveil for the classic jerseys and court, by the way, the Timberwolves uh, put out. I think it was on Friday that they made that announcement. So uh, I want to start, though, with the idea of expectations and where this team sits right now as we're, you know, the last week of September camp kicks, kicks off, believe it or not, this Wednesday. Uh, I think that it makes a lot of sense to kind of, I don't say reset expectations, but like we've been living in this world. We're going into last year. Everybody's like, okay, well, this team should win 50 games. And I, and I thought that too. I thought it'd be a 50, 50, what did I say? 52 win team. I think was my prediction last year going into the season. I believe the over under was 49 and a half on FanDuel before the season. And then with the way the season went and with the injuries, a lot of folks nationally, I, I believe if I, I believe the over under, I'm going to see if I can pull it up real quick. I think it opened at 42 and a half for the Timberwolves. And I did that preview show um, with, with uh, Josh Lloyd over at Lockdown Fantasy Basketball in mid-August. And at the time he was still taking the under. I think he had the Wolves at 42 wins again. And I had the Timberwolves as, at an over. And at the time, if you watch that show, this isn't my official like lockdown wolves win total projection that will come. I traditionally do it like the day before the day of the start of the season. So I have as much possible information and the, the Timberwolves number this year opened at 42 and a half. And I took the over and I think I said 48 wins currently at FanDuel, the over under for win total for the Timberwolves is 44 and a half wins for the season. Now, remember last year, they won 42 games. A couple of years ago, they won 46 games. And so 44 and a half is, you know, pretty close to right there in the middle. Seems about right if you look at the last two seasons. But let's try and calibrate these expectations in general, right? Like what's fair? Heading into last year was expecting a four-win jump unreasonable. No, I don't think so. In fact, I think if Carlton Towns had been healthy, relatively speaking, and and not missed, you know, I said this the other day, 
the Wolves had, what, three players, maybe two players that played more than 76 games for the team last year. Like, they had a bunch of nagging injuries, like a lot of teams did. It's it's not really an excuse. But if Towns hadn't missed the 52 consecutive games that he missed with the calf injury, I still think this team would have made a run at 50 games. Uh, 50 wins, I should say. Um, maybe it's, that's a, still a little bit lofty, but how many more wins would of those 52 would Towns have accounted for, right? I mean, is it four? Is it five? Fine. Well, then you're in the same neighborhood as the year before while still reintegrating, um, you know, a, a, a really massive addition, literally and figuratively, in Rudy Gobert, right? So maybe the 50 to 52 that I was projecting last year was a little bit aggressive, but I don't think it was unfair given adding somebody who's a multi-time defensive player of the year, multi-time all-star, multi-time all-NBA player to a team that already had a multi-time all-star and all-NBA player in Carl Thuddy Towns and one of the best young, exciting players in the league in Anthony Edwards and another former all-star at the time in D'Angelo Russell. Like, it wasn't unreasonable to expect this team to win 50 games last year. They only won 42, and a big reason for that, the main reason for that, um, you know, the the story still nationally, if you, if you just, like, ask somebody, I guarantee you, if you ask a random ESPN NBA talking head, hey, why did the Wolves only win 42 games last year? The first thing out of their mouth would be, oh, well, you know, integrating Rudy Gobert, Rudy had a down year and trying to, you know, get him. No, that's not why. Like, it did it play into it? Sure. It's because Carl Anthony Towns, going into last year, universally thought of as a top 25 NBA player, multi-time All-Star coming off an All-Star season, missed 52 consecutive games, right? Say they win five of those, they still would have won more games than they did the year prior. So, yes, maybe that would have, that, that certainly played into it, right? But they essentially, for most of the season, two-thirds of the season, they just played with Gobert and not Carl Anthony Towns. So that was the biggest challenge. Um, so what's a realistic expectation? If this win total is 44 and a half, um, uh, friend of the show, uh, Chalanga Langison over at um, at uh, Zone Coverage, a couple of years ago, he was our, our postcast guest on a nightly basis. for It was like the end of the regular season in the playoffs. Um, not last year, but the year before. Chilanga does a great job. He has a Wolves podcast that he's on too that I've been on before. And he wrote a piece at Zone Coverage with the with the headline, Betting the Wolves Over is Free Money. Now, I don't know that I'd say that, but I generally agree with the premise that Chilanga puts forward. And I'll read a couple of quick excerpts from it. He talks about, so he's using the line of 43 and a half, which is not the FanDuel line. The FanDuel line, again, is 44 and a half. And his premise is, I'll just read this. Chalinga says, 43 and a half is a surprisingly low number considering the Timberwolves won 42 games last season without Carl Anthony Towns on the court for most of it. That's the point I'm making, right? But the Wolves transformed after the trade deadline. Although it didn't necessarily amount to more wins in the aggregate, the team looked like it was starting to make some sense. Now, I want to focus in on that line. The team started to look like it. Nope. Uh, let me reread that. This is important that I that I read this correctly. The team looked like it was starting to make some sense, is what Chalanga said. A post-trade deadline. That's a key thing to focus in on. And I've talked about this in a lot of different, I've kind of gone about this in different ways throughout the offseason. But if you simply swap out D'Angelo Russell for Mike Conley, this team makes a lot more sense. And I'm not going to go into the whole thing now, but the 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 obvious argument is. Conley's a better defender. He's a better catch-and-shoot three-point shooter. He is a better pick-and-roll guard than D'Angelo Russell, which I know sounds crazy, but in this, um, the way the Wolves are constructed, he has the experience with Rudy Gobert. He has some built-in chemistry. He's good for one-and-a-half lobs per game to Rudy. Um, 
when he's when he's diving to the rim off pick and roll that D'Angelo Russell never found that chemistry. That those alone, those reasons alone, um, we can have the argument in a vacuum: who's the better player, thirty-eight year old Mike Conley or prime D'Angelo Russell? We can argue that. I wouldn't be upset if you said D'Angelo Russell. In fact, I may even agree with you that in a vacuum, D'Angelo Russell may be the better player. But with this Timberwolves team, it's not close. Mike Conley is the better fit. He's the better, again, the better team defender, the better individual on-ball defender, the better catch-and-shoot three-point shooter. And if that sounds crazy to you, the numbers are 100%. Go to the last three seasons individually, over the last three years, however you want to slice it and dice it. Mike Conley has been a better catch-and-shoot three-point shooter than D'Angelo Russell. In fact, he was over 46% in a Wolves uniform on catch-and-shoot threes last year after the trade. It's a relatively small sample, but for the season, he was 42%. And D'Lo's good, too. He's usually in the 39% range, but there's no question Mike Conley is a better catch-and-shoot three-point shooter. What does the Wolves offense need? They need a facilitator, somebody who can play off the ball when Anthony Edwards is ball dominant, when Carl Anthony Towns uses plenty of possessions, when you're playing five out. You don't need a guy that wants to you know, shoot pull-up threes in transition, not named Anthony Edwards because we can live with that, right? Or somebody who's going to you know, take, take the ball and pick and roll and shoot a pull-up long range too. And you, know, you see no passes in a half-court possession. D'Angelo Russell, or excuse me, Anthony Edwards does that sometimes, sure, but he's so much more dynamic than D'Lo and ultimately is going to be a more efficient scorer maybe as soon as this year um, than D'Lo was, especially in isolation and, and pick and roll situations. So you want a guy who can play off the ball, can also facilitate, run the offense, run the fast break, share the basketball, but also knock down catch and shoot three pointers. Mike Conley is that guy. D'Angelo Russell needed the ball in his hands to be effective as an NBA player needs still needs the ball in his hands to be effective and he's still a good NBA player but there's only so much ball to go around and while that argument is sometimes lazy and doesn't always make sense when you're talking about D'Angelo Russell and also having three high usage guys in Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns and yes Rudy Gobert that matters right so the when Chalenga focuses in on the team looked like it was starting to make some sense that's hitting the nail on the head this team fits together better than last year's team. And in general, you know, Vegas accounts for that stuff. FanDuel certainly accounts for that stuff when they set their lines. Uh, but I don't know how in the weeds, like I, to me, that makes this, they, they miss occasionally, right? Like occasionally the house doesn't win, if you will. Um, I think this line's too low. I still think 44 and a half is too low. It's, it's close, right? It's close to where you'd want to set the line. Uh, I, but I was expecting it to be in the 45 to even 46 range because, again, you're talking about a team that was missing, you know, heading into last year, what we all, what I would have said at least, it was the Wolves' best player, Carl Anthony Towns. He missed 52 straight games, 53 overall. So when you get him back, of course this team's going to be at least a couple of games better, right? A three-win improvement puts you over, okay? I want to dig into that a bit more, talk a little bit more about what Chalenga wrote, and then we'll transition into some roster talk and uh, talking jerseys here toward the end of the show. So we'll do all that here next. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our friends over at DoorDash. If you burned your last piece of toast or your avocados went bad or your hot sauce bottle went empty, which happened to me the other day, it was the worst, try grocery delivery from DoorDash. You'll get everything you want delivered when you need it right to your door. You've trusted DoorDash to deliver your restaurant favorites, and now you can get grocery delivery that actually delivers too. With thousands of grocery stores to choose from, you'll find the best in your neighborhood and boost your local economy with each and every order. You'll get exactly what you ordered or they'll make it right. Sit back and enjoy quality groceries just like you pick them yourself. If you want even more value, you can save on all your grocery and restaurant favorites with a $0 delivery fee on all eligible orders with a DashPass membership. 
With easy substitutions right in the app and best-in-class customer support, DoorDash delivers groceries exactly how you want it. Get 50% off your first DoorDash order up to a $20 value when you use the code LOCKDOWNNBA at checkout. Limited time offer, terms apply. That's 50% off to $20, off up to $20, no minimum subtotal, and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code LOCKDOWNNBA. Don't forget, that's code LOCKDOWNNBA for $50 off your first order with DoorDash. A big thank you once again for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, training camp kicks off on Wednesday, so you better believe we've got player previews for the rest of this week. A week from Thursday, I believe. So, like, yeah, eight days after training camp starts is the number is the first game of the preseason. The Wolves will take on the Mavericks in Abu Dhabi, so we'll talk about that as we get a little further in the week. But I want to start the player preview series pretty early. We've got... We'll talk about the training camp roster here in a minute. We got, uh, what, 20 guys, I think, to go through at this point. So, yeah, we'll talk about everyone all the way down to the exhibit 10 guys, uh, what their roles might be, their odds of making the roster. And then as we get up the depth chart, what impact and expectations should we have for the guys that will be rotation players this year for the Timberwolves? So we'll do that here in the coming days. And, of course, stay on top of any additional news related to the roster because there's, you know, the Wolves still may have a move in them yet this offseason. So uh, that'll all be upcoming on the show. We're daily again, uh, by the way, through Friday, Monday through Friday, every week. Um, so make sure you're tuned in on a daily basis. Follow and subscribe wherever you listen to or watch podcasts. All right. So continuing on what Chilanga Langison over at Zone Coverage said about the Timberwolves, he about the win total, he said, again, the team, meaning the Timberwolves after the trade deadline, looked like it was starting to make some sense. Anthony Edwards ended his season with a continued, uh, continuing his ascension into superstardom, looking like one of the best players in the league against the eventual champion Denver Nuggets. Took the show on the road, looked like one of the best players in the world during the FIBA World Cup. Talks about Conley's cohesion and steadiness, Jaden McDaniels being one of the best defensive players in the NBA. And then he goes on to say, quote, there's a mountain of anecdotal evidence to suggest that this line is way too low. There is also at least a little bit of statistical evidence to back up what I'm sure many Wolves fans feel. This team will be better this season. The likely starting lineup of Conley, Edwards, McDaniels, Towns, and Gobert barely got time to play together last season. Cleaning the glass track, 156 non-garbage time possessions those five played together. That's not a very large sample size, but the group had a plus 5.8 net rating when they played. For reference, the Cavs, as a team, had a plus 5.8 net rating last season and won 51 games. Obviously, an entire team's net rating goes beyond the starters, but it's also a measure of how well the bench plays. I'm going to stop there. I like that Chilinga did that and provided that context. And we said this early last season too, right? Before the Towns injury, which I think came in game 11 or 12, or no, I'm sorry, it was like game 19 of the season, maybe. I think the Wolves were 10 and 11 when he got hurt, is why the number 11 sticks in my head. It was like game 21 or 22. The actual net rating of the starters wasn't great, but it was okay, right? Like the bigger issue was the bench unit. Jordan McLaughlin got hurt early on. Jalen Noel did not play well. Uh, The bench unit and then the way it integrated when they had mixed units of bench guys with the starters and you had, you know, Kyle Anderson playing the four and Gobert at the five was actually a pretty good lineup defensively, but struggled offensively. And Towns never found a groove before he got injured. Um, but as the year went on and post Towns return, so March, April, that starting unit was good. Remember early in the season that that starting lineup unit that was a minus when Cat got hurt, that was with D'Lo instead of Mike Conley. I should I should reiterate that, right? So what Chalanga is talking about, the reason why those that sample was so small was because the Conley trade didn't happen until the deadline. Towns was out until, you know, whatever in March. And then at the very end of the season, you had the McDaniels injury, uh, I guess literally the last game of the regular season. So you didn't get to see it in the playoffs. But that five-man unit, when 
they played together was good. A plus 5.8 net rating is really good. Um, even in a, a small sample like that, it, it, it portends good things, right? And it's for really all the reasons I mentioned a minute ago, which is it's Conley subbing for D'Lo makes a huge difference. And I think I think we're still underestimating that, quite frankly. I think Vegas is underestimating it. I love FanDuel. FanDuel's great. I think FanDuel's underestimating it. I don't know that I'd say it's easy money or an easy win or however Chalanga phrased it, but I would take the Wolves over this year, and I'm not making my official win total projection, but it's 100% reasonable to expect this team to land somewhere between the 52 I thought they'd win last year and the 42 that they actually won last year. That's a huge range, obviously, and, and odds are that they'll finish somewhere in between, but somewhere right in the middle, right? The 45 to 48 win uh, range is completely fair for a team that has... Um, the new we haven't talked about this on the show, but the new rest rules at the NBA level, the Wolves, I believe, are the only team. This is unofficial, but I saw it floating around on on Twitter on X. The Wolves are the only team with four players that fit that criteria of guys who have been all stars in the last whatever three years. Um, you know that that basically you have to limit the way that they're rested. I don't have the whole rules in front of me, but like that fall under these rules. I mean, it's Cat, it's Rudy Gobert, it's Mike Conley, and it's Anthony Edwards, right? So. They're, they have one of the best rosters in the league, one of the most, I would argue, deep rosters in the league, but also in terms of talent, like that's four guys who have been all-stars in the last, what, three seasons? Conley was an all-star three seasons ago. And um, McDaniels, who should have been an all-defensive team this year and likely will be next year, and Edwards will probably get votes and Gobert always gets votes. Like this is a well-rounded team. And the, the only real thing is, do the pieces actually fit together on the court and how quickly can they figure it all out? And obviously that's a huge, a huge point, but the Conley thing is a huge thing. And I don't know how else to underscore that, but just look at the number, like Chalinga said, plus 5.8 when Conley's in the lineup towards the end of the year, go back and look at that same five man with D'Angelo Russell. It's not nearly as successful. And I'm not at all trying to pin last year on D'Lo because first and foremost, it's the Carl Anthony Towns injury, Right. The second biggest issue is the reintegration of Rudy and the fact that he simply wasn't as good as he has been in the past. And then the third thing I would say is D'Angelo Russell. But now you're going year two of Ruby, Ruby, Rudy, uh, year two of Rudy. You're going into hopefully a year with, a, a, at this point, healthy Carl Anthony Towns, and you're going into the first training camp with Mike Conley. And all those things together should work, uh, should work together to give the Wolves a much more successful season. Um, and I, you know, again, easy money. I don't know about that. But I would take the over on 43 and a half. I'd take over on FanDuel's 44 and a half for sure as well um, for all those reasons. So good article over at Zone Coverage. Chalinga does a good job. Go check out um, his, uh, I think it's the CND NBA show is the sh- is his podcast. So go check that out too. He does a really good job. Um, all right. Let's get into uh, roster talk, where the roster sits now on what's almost the eve of training camp, the eve of the eve of training camp, if you will. Uh, it starts on Wednesday. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the... Um, the, the jerseys, the Timberwolves announced on Friday as well. We'll do all of that here next. All right, we talked a little bit about the Timberwolves roster going into training camp on Friday's show, and I completely blanked on Javante Cook being on the roster, uh, at least reportedly. Now, the Wolves have not announced him as being on the roster, but a few weeks ago, his agent stated that he was signing an Exhibit 10 deal uh, over at hoopsrumors.com, which does a really good job of kind of compiling these rosters. It has him listed as reportedly agreed uh, to a contract, but it doesn't have him on the Exhibit 10 list. If he's got an Exhibit 10 deal, the Wolves have 14 standard contracts signed, 14 of 15. They have two two-way contracts, two of three, and three Exhibit 10 contracts. So that would give you 
um, a total of 19 players. You can have up to 21 if I'm doing all of my math correctly. They still have a two-way slot available and they have a standard contract available, roster spot 15, which would give them one more training camp spot available. Now, they also have a qualifying offer out to Matt Ryan as a restricted free agent on a two-way deal. So I don't know. It's probably likely at this point he ends up in camp with Minnesota. Currently, the two two-way contracts are Jalen Clark, the injured rookie who likely won't be on the court until after the first of the year and probably won't play in a game, maybe not at all this year, but certainly not even in the G League until spring. Uh, he had the Achilles injury last year at, at UCLA. Uh, he's on a two-way deal. Luca Garza is on a two-way deal once again. So that third one could be Matt Ryan. It could be elevating one of the Exhibit 10 guys. Exhibit 10 guys, of course, in order of when they signed reportedly Javante Cook, although the Wolves have not confirmed. And of course, he played with the Summer League team and was on the Iowa Wolves last year. I A few weeks ago, we'll do this when we do uh, the full roster preview. Uh, we'll go a little bit more in depth, but he didn't have impressive numbers in the G League. There were moments that were impressive in Summer League over the past couple of years. The length, the size, you know, the shooting's got to be a little better, but the length and size and I guess the, the upside as a 3 and D type guy is what you know, would land him a training camp deal. But Javante Cook's on Exhibit 10. We talked about Vic Krejci a little over a week ago, former member of the Thunder and Hawks. He signed an Exhibit 10 deal. And then Dacian Nix, who spent the last two years with the Houston Rockets, is also on an Exhibit 10 deal. Quick refresher there. Basically, they get a, a moderate, uh, a modest signing bonus. And if they stick with the G League team, assuming they don't make the NBA roster for 60 days, they get another seventy dollars or $75,000 bonus for sticking with the Iowa Wolves. So very likely that Cook, Knicks, and Krejci will all be on the Iowa Wolves roster. Although, as of right now, they all still would be fighting for that 15th standard roster spot or the last two-way spot. So they have some healthy competition, three guys that are all different, although I would argue that Cook and Krejci have some similarities as big-bodied kind of guard-forward combos um, who are you know passers. And I mean, I guess Krejci's a little bit more of a distributor, whereas Cook is more of a, a catch-and-shoot type guy. But in terms of size and position, and then Dacian Nix, who's different, more of just kind of a score first, but not super efficient guy who, um, you know, is decent defensively, but you need to see more shooting wise. You need to see more defensively because he is limited athletically. So all three of those guys, frankly, I'm not super enthused about it, about any of them as potential two way signees or standard contract signees, but they're good. They're good people to have in camp. They've, you know, Nix and Krejci both have some pretty extensive NBA experience over the last two years and Cook has played quite a bit at the G League level. So they're going to provide some healthy competition and they've all got a shot at making the roster in some capacity. But, um, you know, don't expect the Wolves to necessarily sign somebody to that 15th spot. We talked quite a bit the last week or so about the, um, you know, Cameron Payne's a free agent uh, and the Wolves have reportedly been kicking the tires on him. That was a Darren Wolfson report last week. And uh, Lamar Stevens, who we talked about being a possibility, former Pelican, he signed with the Celtics over the weekend, so he's not a possibility. Other kind of point guard types are out there. Kennedy Chandler, uh, who was a rookie last year for Memphis, the Wolves apparently worked him out, along with um, Alfred Payton, who hasn't been in the league in a couple of years. I'd be surprised if the Wolves filled that spot with any of those guys. They're tight salary-wise in order to stay under the luxury tax. It also makes sense to keep that spot open in case I doubt the Wolves are going to pull off a, a one for two trade and need to take back two players, but you never know somebody gets hurt. Maybe they have to do something differently with that spot. Like for instance, hopefully this doesn't happen, but if you have a point guard injury, uh, whether it's, you know, Milton Conley or even Jordan McLaughlin, maybe then you offer Cameron Payne that spot. But I've said all along, I think Payne ends up somewhere else where he gets a clearer path to, to playing time. I don't know that money matters to Payne at this point. Nobody's got a ton of cap space. Really. It's he's probably looking for the right combination of dollars and 
a role, right? Minnesota can't necessarily give him either of those things. So I'd be surprised if campaign ends up in Minnesota. But again, you leave the roster spot open in case something happens, in case it's an injury um, and it shifts your thinking. Maybe a big gets hurt. You got to add another big or whatever. So it makes sense to keep it open. And then the two-way contract thing should have to come, I would think would come to a resolution here soon. Matt Ryan's going to want to know where he's playing this year. Um, so we'll keep an eye on that too. But that's where the roster stands now. One two-way spot available, one standard spot available, and one training camp spot available. Sitting here right now, if all these reports are accurate, the Wolves have um, have 19 players under contract. All right. Uh, last thing would be the, the Wolves classic uniforms. If you missed this, it was on, I believe, Friday. The Wolves released a bunch of uh, video and uh, gallery images on online, I guess everywhere, about the classic edition uniforms, court, and logo that they'll be using. Bringing back the old Shep logo, of course, the jerseys the Wolves wore from the inaugural season in 1989 through 96, and they look awesome. They obviously refreshed them a little bit. It feels like there's, I'm not looking at a side-by-side, but I think there might be a little more green overall, Um, but it's very, very similar. They've also got the classic, the early 90s Nike logo with both the word mark and the swoosh on the, um, I guess, the right side of the jersey. They've still got the Aura uh, uh, jersey sponsorship on the left side. They look sharp, and the court is awesome. Um, the the video they released of Nas Reed walking out on the court was cool because he he remarked about the the shade of blue on the court and how awesome it looked. It looks really really good. I'm super excited about this. And of course they've still got their I forget what the term is now statement edition maybe or or whatever the uh, or maybe it's the city ones whatever the 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 bright blue that they released with Nas a few weeks ago they had all the the collateral they put out with Nas and Mike Conley. Um, those look cool too, but I'm really excited to see these in action, especially on the actual, on the court. I thought the court last year, I said this before, but I was okay with the, um, I can't believe I'm blinking on the name of these jerseys. Uh, the, the alternate jerseys last year, the, the white with the art on them, the, uh, the rainbow across the rainbow artwork, essentially. Um, I was okay with those. I know a lot of people hated them. I could not stand the court. I thought the court looked like they were playing on a neutral site, like an NCAA tournament game. It was just like black and white, essentially. I didn't like the court at all. I thought the jerseys were fine. Super excited to see these jerseys, these classic jerseys on a classic court. Love that they're doing the court to match. They're doing it right. You know, what was it? 10, it might've been the 25th year anniversary, 10 years ago. It might've even been 20, 15 years ago. I feel like Kevin Love was on the team when they brought back the Shep jerseys the first time. Uh, There was no court that time. And these are a little bit cleaner. I think they did a better job cleaning them up. And with the court, it's going to look really, really, really cool. I'm very excited about it. So, Anyway, that's out there. Um, go check out. I think they're going to start selling the gear soon. But to, to see what those look like, of course, the real test is in person and on TV, how they actually look. So that's going to be a ton of fun. All right. Uh, later this week, of course, training camp kicks off Wednesday. We'll do player previews. We'll start that later in the week. We'll keep an eye on those last roster spots as the Wolves head into training camp. A big thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every single day. And a reminder, we're every day through the rest of the week through Friday. Of course, you can listen wherever you like to listen to podcasts. You can also watch on YouTube or on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. You can also follow on Twitter or X at B Beacon and at Locked on T-Wolves. Don't forget the T. Of course, the Lockdown Wolves podcast is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.